Hi, this is Dale, the host of the podcast. Before we get started with this week's podcast, I have a little update for you. During this episode, we talk about the dyslexia show, which was due to take place on the 20th and 21st of March. Due to the coronavirus, the dyslexia show has been postponed until the 25th and 26th of September. You can find out more by going to www.dyslexiashow.co.uk. I'll let you enjoy the podcast now. Welcome to the Sendcast. My name is Dale Pickles. I'm the Managing Director of B Squared and the host of the Sendcast, the special needs podcast. Each week on this podcast, we're talking about a different topic within the world of special educational needs to improve our knowledge, to provide support to professionals working in schools and to empower parents. In a world where there's less guidance, less money, more demand and lots of changes, teachers, senkos, leaders and parents need a way to keep up to date with all the changes that fits in with their lives and this Sendcast is the answer. In this episode, our guest Aaron Smith is back. He is the director of the SEND group, but who is also severely dyslexic. Aaron will be talking about how schools can support dyslexia from the perspective of someone who has dyslexia and uses technology to help support his needs. Before we get started, I'd just like to mention the Virtual Send Conference. I mention this a lot because it is amazing. This is a conference we started running back in 2019 that makes CPD around SEND more affordable and easy to access. We run the conference each year in March, November, but you can watch videos whenever you want. So if you've missed a conference, you can buy access whenever you want and immediately access the CPD. So for more information, visit www.virtualsendconference.com. At the end of the episode, I'll be giving you a discount code so you can save money when you purchase access. Now on with the podcast. This week's show is on dyslexia and how schools can improve how they support dyslexia. Our guest is Aaron Smith, who was diagnosed at the age of nine and has gone to work in a variety of roles, including youth work, retail and not-for-profit sector. Aaron's worked within the dyslexia sector for around 20 years. He's the chairman of the Leicester Dyslexia Association and has previously worked and volunteered for the British Dyslexia Association. He's also taken on a new challenge of launching the Dyslexia Show, which we'll talk about later. And he personally feels his dyslexia hasn't held him back. Welcome to the show, Aaron. Thank you very much, Dale. So um, I've given you a brief bio. We discussed your career and work on a previous podcast. So working with BDA, working with Nessie, your current role in Microsoft, as well as your work with the CND group and the Dyslexia Show. So a huge range. But on today's show, we're going to focus on dyslexia in schools, how schools can support dyslexia and supporting the wider implications dyslexia may have. So you were diagnosed at the age of nine. Yeah, but you correct. didn't immediately fully understand what that meant. That took longer to understand. Why was that? What it is is that probably back then we didn't call dyslexia dyslexia. We called it SPLD. I, I got really annoyed with that because the word, I'm doing it again, specific is really hard to say. So I, I never understood why we called it a specific learning difficulty. It is a specific learning difficulty or a specific learning difference is probably the better way to describe it. And 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 for me, it kind of like until. It was kind of until I kind of understood it by, by going to the Dyslexia Association, by being supported at, at school, uh, by my mum and dad's support. That means it, understand it. And I think that's probably one of my biggest things when I look at young people today. And whenever I do, I do webinars or I do talks, I always say understanding is probably the most important thing. Explaining to someone's strengths, explaining to someone's difficulties actually goes a long way. We mentioned in the last podcast about the, the diagnosis concept, about how when we get diagnosed, we go to the we go to the doctors and the doctor tells us that we have a we have a virus and we get a bit annoyed because we actually want to know what's wrong with us. 
And I think that is me, the same concept with dyslexia. If you explain it, and, and dyslexia is, a, is definitely a neurological condition. Uh, it affects around 10 to 15% of the population. And it definitely is a condition that, that can affect literacy skills. And that's probably what it's most well known for. But probably for me, it's not just about reading, writing, and spelling. It's often about memory and that working memory concept. It's often about that concept of how we look at, uh, how we look at words, how we look at letters. It's, it's that sound confusion, that organizational skill. When we've recorded this podcast, it's the beginning of the new year, and we, we all start by, well, all of our, every young person does it, even, even I did it, and that is that we clean out our, our bags that we use, and we get them all nice and tidy. Now, when I did that, I found a receipt uh, from when I was back in India in the beginning of December, which I thought, I, I had no idea how I got in there because I didn't have the bag then. Uh, um, I, found, I found crumbs. I found, I found a USB stick that I thought I'd lost. And that's all about, it's all that organizational skill. And I know even this week it's going to be a mess again because I've been away for a week. And it's just kind of, that's one of them, one of them things that we have difficulties with. But I think that also then that the concept of memory, and this is this thing, that this way of actually a student getting information. So when we, when we say the alphabet, the letters, the sounds, the names, so forth, actually getting that information in. And I think current, our current education system probably goes a bit fast, but doesn't use everything. Whenever we teach dyslexics, we, we want to say that we want to be using multi-century techniques. So we want to be using more than one sense. Uh, and that is the way that we can teach dyslexics. That way, multi-century, but also in a structured way. And I think that actually the way that we teach currently is probably not that, not that, not that multi-century and not that structured. And that will, that's what helps. But then dyslexia is often all about other things. So it's like that, that kind of that working memory concept, which I've mentioned, but also like that lack of visual blueprints. So seeing things in your head automatically. So when I say the word ball, we see a picture of a ball. We also look at uh, at confusions of words. So when you think of the word Sam, saw, was, if you picture them, the letters in your head, you can actually see that actually if you look at the word was with the W at the beginning and then move the S and the M round, we've now got, we've now got, well, the W's now been turned upside down as well. We've got saw and they're all just like, that's quite confusing. The concept also of how we form letters. So a lot of, I, I remember years ago, or, and I've had it recently, that people have said that dyslexia is just a boys' middle-class disorder for lazy boys. And it's not. It, it affects boys and girls nearly, nearly 50-50, it does. And, it's kind of, and it, girls do cover it up better. But actually, when we look at, say, the English language, the English language has 44 sounds to 26 letters. It's really quite difficult to actually do. But then when you look at, say, someone who's from, say, that speaks Chinese, they still will be dyslexic. But their dyslexia probably may not come out so much in in the in the written form, in the literacy form, because they have a pictorial language, and that's the difference. Is there's lots of differences. It, it, it is a fascinating thing. Not every dyslexic is the same. We all have similar difficulties. I, I've seen dyslexics that have that are that can read a lot better than I can. That can read better. And I mentioned in the last one my 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 best friend who his dyslexia affects his kind of organizational structure and the way that he organizes his life. So he cannot cope with doing he can only do one job at a time he can do in that sense that he can only think about stuff at once at a time where i can be doing 20 things at a time so so as we've been talking we've i've been looking at my emails and i've been kind of thinking about what i'm doing next and uh, what's going to happen next and so forth and that, that's how my, my dyslexia affects me probably because i also have other tendencies like like asd i have tendencies of asd and tendencies of, of, of adhd and I, and I have been screened for dyspraxia as well. So dyspraxia is that, that, co- that motor coordination concept, sitting down, riding bikes, and so forth. I, I don't really have lots of problems with that, but I do fall over lots of things. Normally when I'm talking, that's the thing. 
But I think for me, it is all about let's let's understand it right and get it right for our children. It is and and understanding the difficulties and strengths and the strengths of things like problem solving, global thinking, big picture thinking, verbal communication. We I have this saying. It's it actually comes from a lady called Penny Aston from Groups Dyslexia Aware Counseling. She says uh, dyslexics have DVD, dyslexia verbal diarrhea, and that is that we don't shut up because actually once we've got going, we just get going, and that's it. Getting that information out is really important to us. So when we talked on the last podcast, you talked about how your parents took a big lead in the diagnosis and finding out, and they went to the Institute in Leicester the evenings and then took you along and you were sort of diagnosed. Yep. Um, so what role did the school play in that process? I think that my mum and dad really fought with the school. I think that basically the, that was probably in year three, so age eight, nine time. When I got to year four, that was really interesting because actually the teacher we had was, I think that my teacher was an NQT. Now, I, I would love to find this teacher. One of my passions in life is trying to find Miss Hughes. And I know that she changed her name and I can't remember what it was changed to, but to find her would be amazing because she believed in dyslexia. She understood what dyslexia was. She gave me a book that, uh, that's still available today. And I can't, can never remember. It's a yellow book. I know that it's, it's produced by Egon. And the book shows actually that uh, it says at the beginning of it, there's many books that have been written for your uh, for your mums, dads, and your teachers. I decided to make one for you, and that actually that book actually I read for about three pages, and I went, "This is me. This is totally me." And I think that's kind of got me into it. But that teacher, with my mum and dad pressuring the school to actually get me assessed in school, meant that we had a private diagnosis and a school diagnosis from from the local authority, which then led to my statement that led that then led to more funding for more support. If you're interested in that book, I think Egon uh, is now in, I think, sister company to SEM Books. That's correct. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So you should be able to go on their website and yes. find that. Yes. It's, um, it's a, I, I, we'll ha- I'll, I'll get the name and we can put it in the link at the bottom. In the show notes. That's the word. Yes. So I find it interesting how sometimes one teacher really does change your world. Oh, massively, yeah. Um, and it's really interesting one teacher to the next. So you talked about how you had TAs with you in your time at yeah. school. I think, I think TAs are an amazing tool. I think that... that that having good TAs can really help people. I think it's harder now because we have funding is always a massive issue within our education system. And TAs for me then, I, I had a TA next to me in, in my in my in my upper school. When I did uh, I did my GCSEs, which was amazing in one sense, and then wasn't so accessible in other senses. Inclusive is probably the word I kind of use. For me, you see, I think that that actually that if we have TAs doing small group work doing work with these children to actually improve their literacy, doing, doing, doing that paired reading concept, but also then probably helping, helping that concept around peer learning as well would be really beneficial. To me, it's, kind of, it's a really useful tool, but giving people, empowering them, I think is probably the best way forward. I suppose a lot of the time that TA for you was kind of supporting the bits you struggled with, so writing down things off the board and yeah. things like that that would have taken you a while or she was able to do that for you, and but in other ways, she didn't really help you. No, no. I think that's the thing. Uh, actually, I, I still have one of my TAs who's a friend of, on Facebook with me. So, and, and I remember that, that she had beautiful handwriting, and she would write things in different colors, which would actually help in one sense. But I would never read it because I, my reading capability is so low. I, I, I say now that I have a reading age of a nine-year-old, a spelling age of an eight-year-old. Probably about right. And probably when I was at school, probably a bit less. Theoretically, when we say we have a reading age of nine-year-old, you should be able to read the Sun newspaper. That's what they. That's the kind of level it is. I know it's to me, it's kind of like, well, who would want to? But that's another story. Yes. 
I think it's it's fascinating. I think for me though, it is is having that that TA there can be a bit of a comfort blanket. Uh, but then also the question is is how do we create independent learners? That that's the thing now where I'm more I'm very interested in that with the roles I do with so with I've done with Nessie, with Claro, with Scanning Pens, Microsoft, with all these companies I've worked with. Actually, how can we create independent learners? Because actually, that's really important. How can we make these people more independent? Because actually, that means then they can feed into, into society. We, statistics are high. This we, we have about 50% of our prison population that have a literacy disorder. And that could be either being illiterate or having dyslexia or other conditions linked back to that. So that, that, that actually really puts a pressure on our, on our a question rather than a pressure on our education system currently. But then you also look at it that actually, Forty percent of our entrepreneurs are dyslexic. So, are we using now a skill? And that's the other thing about understanding: understanding your benefits, understanding your your, your strengths and your weaknesses. And for me, that's the thing. My, my skill is thinking outside the box. So, I have I'm fascinated with technology. I have a telephone system. We were talking about this earlier about, about Alexa, about calling for saying it's dinner time. So, before that came out, I I, I fascinated with technology. So, I, I have phones in the house that I can dial like the living room and dial like the kitchen and the and the bedroom and if I dial 500 on it I can go Lucy how'd you spell this and my wife can then talk back to me and tell me how to spell something because that is actually probably the first response and that actually comes back from having that TA because actually it was a human response that I had now there's so much more out there there is so much more support in the concept of technology and actually it is just about thinking. It's just, let's just think outside the box a little bit more. And, that, and, it, and probably it needs a dyslexic to think more about how we can support dyslexics to make it easier in schools. So just going back to that sort of independent working, a lot of people just independent working, just getting on the stuff on your own. But actually for you to be able to do that, you really need to understand what's being asked of you. Correct. And if you're sitting there looking slightly confused with a TA next to you, they're going to help you out without you even asking. And so while that's great because it helps with your anxiety because you're not having to stick your hand up and draw attention to yourself, you then never develop that skill or that confidence to do it later on. Yeah, and that's, and that's the thing. It's actually that's what we should be doing. I think there, there needs to be some kind of comfort blanket there uh, for me. I think that, that this – my mum was a teaching assistant, and when my mum started as a teaching assistant, uh, she was sat next to a student. By the time or she retired, she was walking around the class. Yeah. And, and that, I think, is probably the better way of doing it. She became subject-specific as well. So that kind of, I think, is another interesting concept about being subject-specific, I say the word, because actually that can actually change people's... It means you actually learn. She said a story to me, actually. She said it to me just over Christmas uh, because she actually saw... Um, um, she went to uh, the Chris Kringle service at church and actually one of her previous teachers she worked with uh, was there and he'd gone up to the Senko and complained that she couldn't do this maths equation in science and the Senko said she's not there to do the maths equation she's there to support it if you haven't shown her how to do it to support the child it's not her it's not her fault and and that and that just made me smile it's that that, that person's now the head of school so um, it was like actually that person had to rethink because actually the concept of TA is not there to do the piece of work for them no. they're to support everyone or support that person for me it is it's like is that going to carry on? Does every school have that? And, it, and, it, and funding is always a massive issue. Money is an issue. And I think that, that when we look at the field of dyslexia, the world of dyslexia now is, is that there's, there's other ways out there that we can help students, there's other ways that we can actually you know what actually, can we actually make this child even more independent? And that's, I think, I, I will always say that technology is one of them ways. 
I think there's there's better understanding around teaching. And I also think then it comes back to this concept around around actually specialist teachers. So the concept of a specialist teacher is that this child, this, uh, a teacher has gone and done a course. Uh, it's either a year's course or a two-year course. And that will give them the basic foundations of how we teach in a structured way. Uh, and normally it's a diploma level. So it's, it's, a, it's a kind of like master's level is the best way to describe it. And, and that will be looking at things like how we actually break down spelling rules, how we break down how we teach handwriting, how we actually then use, say, the CVC words and break down how we do syllable division, actually then breaking that all down so actually that when you're sitting with that child, you look at that child and go, okay, this child needs this, this, and this. The benefits are out there already. Things like, like we, we've mentioned Nessie as a product, and, and actually just to say that actually that product there is based on a structured program, the same as this other products like WordShark, uh, and, and Nessie are both based on structured programs. They're both based on the foundation of a structured dyslexia program, either through Autium uh, Gillingham, which is a US program, uh, and through Omega, which actually they both feed from the same thing, but they have different approaches. So where, where Nessie is very much approached around machine learning and uses actually assessing that child at the beginning to get them in the right place, which is really beneficial for our schools, actually WordShot can do it similar on their online product, but their desktop product can do it the teacher can do it so they can actually assess them themselves and put them where they need to be they work perfectly but what that does is is we do that with group work we can do that with actually enabling them to grow a little bit as an independent because they're independent learning they're not using multiple resources so they're not having a ta one-to-one they're not having a teacher one-to-one it's probably a ta one-to-five so resources are better and that then actually means that they're doing self-learning as well because actually Everything's all reward games. It's all it's it's all it's gamified learning, which actually then has rewards against it, which really works with young people. So it's one of the things my mum always told me about teaching. When she became a teacher many, many moons ago, I won't say how long, but when she became a teacher, there was a lot of focus on child development and it's huge. It took her a long time, lots of work. Whereas now, um, and I'm not devaluing anyone, but you can do a three-year degree in something and then do your PGCE in a year. And they've kind of stripped out a lot of stuff that was every teacher was taught. And I think some of these products like Nessie and WordShark and us came from teachers who were taught the child developmental, yes. taught how to do it, and have basically created products based on that. I think that's right. I think, I think that's the thing you could look at that, that actually that all these products out there, a lot of them have been based on, on life experiences. And I think that's what we, we said that in the last podcast, that actually when we're in the SEN community, a lot of people do it because they have an experience of it. But I think actually, there's a, a you mentioned about teacher training there. I find that fascinating because actually there is there's no mandatory level around SEN in our teacher training. Now that can frustrate us. Like I, I remember when I was at the BDA and we were campaigning to actually get that into it. And I think that the differences like autism, they've got the Autism Act that's coming through that kind of has done some really good work. We had in 2019, not 2019, 2009, sorry, we had the Rose Report that came out that actually def- defined dyslexia. And, and to me, actually, they were changes, but then governments change, policy changes. We have education ministers that we won't talk about, that we don't believe in, uh, that like to put us back into the 18th century. But you can see that actually we can really change way that we think about things and for me it is that actually that that we actually did that awareness at teacher training level and, and there is some really good universities that are doing it there's some universities that are giving you know, giving half a day or a full day 
bringing in professionals in. One of the universities we have in, in, in Leicester, I actually went in and did a talk about myself. And that was fascinating. It was, it was an hour and a half just talking about my dyslexia to them. I was quite young at the time, really. It was probably, I think, the very first time I actually really spoke about my dyslexia, thinking about it. But then 15, 25 teachers or students, as I would say, actually now have got a little bit more understanding about actually how does it feel to be dyslexic? Yeah, we've worked with, as a company, we work with a couple of universities teaching schools, but um, somebody who worked with us uh, has gone off to be a teacher. So uh, she was going to be a teacher, wasn't really working for us. She came and worked for us for a year and just working with us, talking to teachers and everything just really ignited her passion. So she's gone off to university to a three-year course, become a teacher. And it's great because she comes back in the holidays and does some work with us. And she was back. So she's done two years. Yeah. And I said, right, so what SEN stuff have you done? Tell me about it. And she's like, we've had a lecture. Uh, and and there was some optional stuff you could do, but it was purely optional. optional. And, and, and to me, actually, you know what? It, when you look at the statistics, we, we said it 15%. That's 3.6 million people have some severity dyslexia. It's probably one of the highest hidden disabilities in the country. It is. I, I get very annoyed as a person, and this is personal to me, is that, that when we've had a hell of a lot of, of awareness around dementia. And, I, and I, I agree with the awareness. I agree with the concept behind it. And I agree that we have an aging population. But when you look at the percentages, it's a small percentage. It's like 3 or 4%. Right? And, and actually, the disability that I have affects a hell of a lot more people. And actually, in one sense, that it actually affects me for a lot longer. Yeah, it is. And and I don't. I I think what we do in our in our hospitals and in our health and in our in our care homes and like that is, is fantastic. And it's amazing. And we do need to have that awareness. But actually, because dyslexia is purely educational, it is kind of left on the sidelines. And I just think we just need to kind of we keep need to keep fighting. We need to keep talking about it. We do. We need organisations like the British Dyslexia Association, like like Helen Arkell, Made by Dyslexia, and the Dyslexia Show, to actually keep going to move it forward because it needs to be at the forefront. We need to show the strengths. We need to show the weaknesses. We need to move it forward. There's a, there's a psychologist called uh, Dr. Nancy Doyle, and she says she had some research, and actually it was shown that, that all the research on dyslexia to, to compare to the percentage level was done in the, in the 80s, and the percentage of research to the amount of demographics was a lot lower. So basically, say we had the percentage of it is 10 to 15%. The research was about three percent, but then when you look at it, the percentage of, of mental health, which was about seven or eight percent of the population, the amount of research was over a hundred percent. So it was double; it was like three or four times bigger than the actual population. Because actually, that's just where it is. And I believe that, that mental health is another thing that we have to work on. We have to, and actually, to me, that actually is really important when it comes to dyslexia because. Dyslexia can actually really affect people's mental health and their anxiety, the way they deal with things. I've known people that literally they can't park their car in certain car parks because they can't use the machine to do it. And it just gives them anxiety. We, we talked about in the last podcast of me going into a, into a pub and not and like throwing up, but going and talking to a thousand people about dyslexia or, or going to like a show have no issue with that. One, because I'm the centre of attention, but that's another story. But I think we could just we could do a lot more. It is. I think there's a lot more out there there is, and there's a lot more. We just need to stop, think. I have a kind of, um, when I talk about technology a lot in, my, in some of the webinars I've done and some of the talks I've done, I have kind of this, this kind of flow chart, and I always say understanding is the starting point. So if we're a teacher, we look at a child A, and we understand their differences, we understand their strengths. That's the first thing. We then look at the school or the organisation 
am I a Senko that's been here for three months or am I a Senko that's been here for 30 years? Slight exaggeration, but what's already in school? Have we actually, has my predecessor bought a load of redependents? Have we had Nessie installed? Have we, have we had Claro installed before? What do we already have? What resources there? The knowledge, who knows about it? If we don't have them two things, okay, the resource. What resource can we get? What can we afford? What's out there? Do the research it is. What do we already have? Do we know that actually we have Office 365 has this technology built in for free? That kind of thing. Do we know that actually that your technology says something that actually means you can do something else and they can go and find it? That, that kind of thing. It's, it's, you've got to know what's there. Talk to people. Then it's then understanding. Training is a really thing. It's something that we forget about. And I think that I think over the I've watched this over the past like probably past ten years. The word CPD in certain sectors has been very powerful. So if you are a solicitor, you have to do CPD. If you are a lawyer, you have to do CPD. If you are a police officer, you have to do CPD. So you'd have to know things have changed. If you are an accountant, you have to do CPD. Teachers didn't have to do CPD. Now they do. It's a big thing. It's a big thing coming in. It's being more standardised. It's being more there. In the dyslexia community, it's got even it's even harder, and it is really much so. Every three years, we need to see that that you've done CPD, you're you're up to date with what's out there, you're up to date with tests that are available, and so forth, which is really powerful. CPD is kind of a big thing, and I think that actually, even when we look at technology or we look at, 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 at resources, that is really important. So once you've got that, we could then actually then look at the young person again, and actually, what training are we giving to them? This sounds strange but i know it works because so i, I a small story i was in a, i was working for the british dyslexia association and we had a an online store that i managed and we sold a piece of technology a piece of dictation software into a school now now this dictation software is not cheap it wasn't cheap it's probably about four thousand pound so on every laptop in the school they had about 15 laptops we did it got we got it sorted for it's an education license and it was built for one child now this is a school Senko was a little bit bonkers, but that's good because I like Senkos like that because it means they, they want to get things right. And I went to the school. I was in my suit and the, the Senko said, well, it's, it's break time. We'll just have tea while we wait for everyone. And I was in the staff room and these three kids ran into the staff room shouting, red card, red card. And I was like, what's going on now? And what it is, is she explains this, that if a child comes in and shouts red card, they don't have to knock. And it's because there is an incident that they need more teachers to come and look at. So the head teacher leaves, the Senko leaves, because the Senko says, oh, it's going to be the child we're going to see. It wasn't, but that was fine. So that, that kind of like, well, this is quite shocking. I was like, okay. So I was a little bit worried about this child. Is like the child going to get a chair and hit me over the head or something? And quite new to going into schools at the time. So I sat in this room with the Senko and this, and this boy. And this boy, you could see by his body language, he was not wanted to be there, did not like me, did not like this guy in a suit. And I got up my computer and I started talking to my computer, see words appearing. I said, what do you think? Anyway, can I try that? Push cam. So what I'm going to do is I want you to train this laptop for you, and I'm going to whisper in your ear what you need to say. Anyway, and I said, do you mind me being this close to you so you can hear it? He went, no. So I whispered in the training script, which is on the screen, which you could follow, and it said passed. I said, now, now tell me what your name is. So he told me what his name was, and you could see this child's face just change. And the demeanor changed and he was dictating loads of words. And I said, now say full stop. Now say capital letter. And within about an hour, this child had, changed, had literally gone from being very anti-me to being like my best friend, wanting to know more. And what I found out later was is that, that he, wrote a, he wrote a letter using this software to his head teacher thanking him for buying the software because it just changed his life. And he became a better person. 
that for the rest of that term. And, and, and to me, that's just an amazing story to say actually how technology can really change it. It also then also shows that dyslexia is one thing, but the emotional and the social oh. implications of it are huge. Uh, feeling isolated, definitely uh, feeling definitely. behind, yeah, definitely yeah. getting bullied because it's just it's huge. Um, so, how can schools better support dyslexia? That's a, probably a two-hour, three-hour conversation. You probably do talks just on bits of that. But I, 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 a short I, version. Short version. Okay, so let's go with the, with the possess to resist on. So that's the word you can use, right? having a specialist teacher in your school. If we had a specialist teacher in every school or even every cluster of schools, that would change it. What that means is that teacher is specifically there to support them children. In a school of 100 kids, that's 10 kids. A school of 1,000 kids, that's 100 kids. It's a lot of people. We could then support them one-to-one, two-to-one. We could support TAs to teach them the way that's structured. That's, that's kind of the starting point. That, that's where you want to aim towards. And Teachers can go and do that course. They can do it through the BDA. They can do it through a university. They're not, they're not the cheapest courses in the world, but they're not the most expensive. But they are, they are a specific group of people, and they have a set of standards. So that's where the starting would be. Is that, that's where the top would be, would be having a special teacher. The second thing, of course, is then I think knowledge and probably looking at awareness courses, having people into schools to do awareness training, doing some of the webinars, doing some, even listening to your conference. That will start because you've had Neil Mackay in the in the center, in the center of the conference. Listening to Neil speak would be just a, a really amazing point. Looking at dyslexia friendly schooling, how you can have dyslexia friendly box. I think then technology actually plays a big part. I think technology to me is probably actually would be the thing that is the easiest thing to do, and something that every school should be doing anyway. Because we need to teach our children to be children of the future, and how many of us write. A handwritten note to our head teacher. How many of us write a handwritten note in the office? Very few. We use email, we use text messaging, and so forth. So actually, if we had this 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 concept of using technology, and majority of schools have laptops, they have iPads, they have they have tablets, they have they have computers in school, and they would probably have technology either through either through Microsoft or through Google. And now I'm a massive Microsoft fan. That is one of the companies I work for. I can say that just by opening up a web browser, going to office.com, opening up Word. On the home tab, if you're using a, a microphone active browser like Chrome or, or, or Edge, you can just click, press, dictate, and it will you can dictate into it for free you know, and, and no training. Now, how empowering can that be? If, you, if you're a dyslexic that, that can't spell and trying to type one-handedly, that just changes your life. It changes that concept. Removing that frustration, we, we were, we've been talking about concept of handwriting helps with motor coordination and then with motor memory and typing could do the same thing but actually for me i have the content in my head all i want to do is get it on paper i wrote a, a chapter for for two for two authors i've wrote a chapter around technology and i dictated it all dictated it all uh, 1200 words two hours two and a half hours it took me to dictate and it took me three days then to edit it with my support worker and me and a bit of technology because actually basically I'd forgotten it so I had to rewrite bits anyway but that's another story but actually if you are doing small bits of, of dictation then use technology to listen back to it because that's the other thing within office it's already got built into it but then there's tough products out there like Claro like text help uh, that are available to do that and I think the technology is a really important thing and I think that then also though is actually we need to think about something that we don't think about in schools and that's typing Typing should be something that we should teach every day. We should be teaching typing. 
we did 10 minutes of typing every day, we'd have some really fantastic typers out there. And you know what? We wouldn't be getting this concept of our thumbs when actually people would be wanting to type properly. To me, that's the thing. Is, is our, there's part, our, we talked about earlier about Nessie and, and WordShark. There's a product called uh, um, there's, there's Nessie Fingers, which is really good for younger children. For me, there's products like English Type. English Type is quite is very it's designed about around typing. And Dance Mat on the BBC is based on English Type, which I thought was fascinating when I found out. And it's all about like removing the, the actual letters. So actually, you don't look at the keyboard by the time you've got to it. You've got other products that are web based, like, like Touch Type Read and Spell. Again, that's based on a dyslexia program. So that's actually a dyslexia program using the concept of typing as the, the multi-sensory approach because you're wearing headphones, you can hear it, you can see it, and you're typing, you're using more than one sense. And that's also empowering as well. So there are products that are out there that are really useful. I'm just going to interrupt to let you know I'm a fully qualified secretary. Are you? It's one of the things um, someone recommended I was at college. Yeah. Go do this, uh, basically, the typing course. So I was doing computing. Yeah, in maths, but I went and did typing. I did typing, I did audio typing, and it's probably one of those skills I use so much without knowing, because I can be typing away and it's I don't have to worry about my fingers. My head's flowing and it just goes through my fingers without talking. And when someone comes interrupt me, I can just finish what I'm doing and I can start listening to them, and my fingers can finish off. And it's just watching my daughter in year nine and and. I think primary school is very, as you said, very paper driven. Yeah. And when you get to secondary school, a lot of it does switch, especially on the homework. Yeah. And my daughter sits there with a finger in each hand. It's like, come on, learn, learn, please. And it is such a great tool, but dictating. Oh, oh. I haven't got there yet. I think the thing about it is dictating. It depends on what you're doing. So one of the things I, I often go to schools and, and show them the dictation tools. And then I say report writing. When you've got to write 30 reports for 30 children, Actually, you know what? If you could dictate it, that takes that saves a lot of time. Dictation is just a tool that's there. It was designed for secretaries. It was. It was. We kind of had that concept in mind when we when when someone would dictate into a voice recorder and they give it to the secretary to type up anyway. So actually, that concept's been there, but now technology's got so powerful. And, and actually, even even in 2019, when I was watching some of the developer conferences that are out there and the technology, I was watching uh, the concept of the concept of closed captions and, 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 and subtitles, which uses dictation as the, as, as the catalyst. But what I was seeing was actually now there is technology out there that basically that how me and you are talking now, if, if the, the product we were using could hear us, what it would then do is it'd work out with a picture of me that when I'm talking and work out a picture of when you were talking. And then basically then if, say, say one of your colleagues came in, he or she would also, his picture, would, their picture would come up as well. Now, now, when I saw this, I was running around the house going, look at this. I was like, my wife was going, my wife looked at me going, what are you on? This is like this is old technology. And she literally got, to the, got, the, got the TV and put like, subtitles on the TV. And I went, like, Lucy, a human is typing that. This is being done by a computer. It's being done by machine learning, artificial intelligence. This is being done. This has learned that person's voice pattern and it is working out who it is. Now, you think about, we go all the way from primary all the way up to universities. I can guarantee whenever, every September, I, ha, I run a small helpline for my dyslexia association for adults. And I don't get many calls, but I get a number of university calls around that time. And they all say to me, what can I use to transcribe? What can I use to transcribe? And I say, well, there's this service, this, this, this is going to cost you this, this is going to cost you this. This should be part of your disability student allowance. This you could do. 
and they say, but I don't want that. I just want to, I just want to record my teach, my, my, uh, my lecture and, and record all the notes. It says, at this moment in time, you can't do that. Now, but that technology is not far away. It's interesting. One of the things, um, so we're bulk recording our podcasts. Yeah. It's not a secret. We're doing it in advance. But there is a tool out there called Temi, T-E-M-I, where I will upload the audio file. It will then give me a transcript of the whole podcast in under five minutes, and it will identify when you're when uh, Aaron's speaking or when I'm speaking. And it's got about 95% accuracy. That's pretty good. Though. So, and that is really cheap. And there's stuff, uh, my colleague John's been looking at stuff that when you upload videos to YouTube, it does it automatically for you. Yeah, so... One of the things I talk about is Stream. So Stream is part of Office 365, and that does exactly the same. The one thing that that does that I really like is it does searchable subtitles. So basically what you can do is you upload the video. So this is like, say you're in a, say you're in a, a secondary school. Secondary school and your teachers are recording your lessons, which is a really good way of, from, from, a, from a practical way for supporting dyslexics, that's a really good thing to do is record lessons. Upload them to stream. It's internal YouTube. It's kind of very secure. You can only access it with your account. But what it does then is it will then create the closed caption file or the, the subtype file, but then it allows you to search for it. So basically, say if you say the word accessibility, it will then show you every time you've said it, and it will take the video to that point, Yeah, which is really powerful. And, and to me, it's just like, you know what? We were talking earlier. We, at the time we are recording this, there's going to be a show coming up called Bet. And Bet is a big educational technology show that I, I'm, I'm a massive kind of like geek about because I love technology and I love being there and it's kind of how I have a buzz about it and we were talking about it. And that's the thing is that is you look at it and I know, I know some technology is coming out there for what I've been doing. But for me, it's like, you know what, I love looking at new tech. And last year, actually, we saw some of the benefits of captions in PowerPoint. And people don't know that actually, if you have PowerPoint online, you have subtitles. Now, we're talking about dyslexia, but how does that help a dyslexic? Well, it can help a dyslexic because actually, you know what? We can read and actually we can see words and we can see things. And actually what it may do is it may, because we can see that word that is technology, the word, let's say the word technology, I can decode that very quickly. And it then may actually maybe think about stuff and it may actually maybe be more interesting because actually it's moving along. It is. I, I said it in the last podcast, 70% of us watch social media videos silently. We just read closed captions or subtitles. That, that's just insane. It is. And, but that kind of feature means it can do so much for a dyslexic. It, it will do so much in the future. I can see it now. But I, I, technology for me is just that empowering thing. And there's this product, other products out there that Sonocent Audio Note Taker. So this concept of, of, of audio, listening to audio, this audio that you're listening to now, this podcast, you can pause it when you want to. You can stop where you want to. If you're in a three-hour lecture at university, You've got three hours of recording on your voice recorder. You're not really going to listen to all of it, are you? No. no. And actually, you know what? The bit you want is the bit, the 10 minutes in halfway, about three quarters of the way through when you fell asleep, that's the bit you need to listen to. And you're going to fast forward. And, and, and I, I always say fast forward. I've never used the word rewind. It's always fast forward. Just fast forward it. Actually, when you mean rewind, you could never read the word rewind. I, actually, I've just realized that when I was at home, I could never read the word rewind. It was always fast forward it. So you'd move it backwards and forwards yep. to find the point where you need to be. But actually, Sonocent Audio Note Taker, what does it actually record it live, but it gives it, every time I stop talking, it will then break the audio up. And it means you can then highlight it. You can put notes into it. You can, tell you, you can bring the PowerPoints into it. It's a really clever piece of software that I really like. And to me, that, that's the, it's another game-changing way. And actually, you know what? 
why is that only given to university students? Why is it not used for our high school students? Actually, that could change someone's life in, in, in GCSEs. I don't understand why schools don't embrace technology as much as we can. Schools that I go and see every day, they, they kind of, they start at that point and they get blown away with what I show them. We talked about the other, earlier in the last podcast about nouns, adjectives and adverbs, how I can now pick them all out using, using immersive reader. It's just like, you know, why would I need to do that? Well, because we need to learn it. But actually, you know what? Going back to that whole thing with videos, if you are really into Apple products and you just watch the big Apple keynote yeah, and somewhere in there, there's a real bit you found really interesting. Now, if you had to skip through the whole thing, listening, it's going to take you ages. Yeah, If you had those subtitles, the closed caption on the screen, you're literally going, there's the word, that's what I'm looking for. It's this section. It even makes it easier for everyone to find that bit you're looking for. And if you listen to this podcast and you wanted to share it with someone, had to skip through the podcast, trying to find a bit where I say something amazing. Not going to happen, Aaron, maybe. But again, if you could just skip, look at the uh, transcription yeah. and see actually at 32 minutes, Aaron said this, that's the bit I'm looking for. You can then open the audio file, go straight to 32 minutes and you're there. And, and that's the point. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you now for something. So what I'd like you to do, uh, this is more for you. Do you like watching the Apple keynote? I like watching the Apple keynote. You don't. <laughs> well, I think you should next time watch the next Apple keynote. Let's see. Then what you need to do then is watch it. Watch your uh, Microsoft keynote, right? And let's see what's. And I can guarantee that at the Microsoft keynote there'll be closed captions. If you look at last year's Surface announcement for Microsoft Surfaces, even though it's not on the screen, the video screen, all the screens behind you have got closed captions on, because basically that's a, that from a Microsoft point of view, it's a Microsoft policy. That they basically, if you have a room more than twenty people, they have to put closed captions in. Doesn't matter if anyone's not saying it. At the Dyslexia Show, we've made a policy now that we're going to use closed captions on all of our all of our stages. We will use computer generated rather than human generated. So there'll be a, a level of accuracy that will be not there. But we are putting that service out there. No one's asked for it. We've just made that decision. One of the things, if no one expects it, no one's going to ask for it. And that's the thing. And if someone asks for us. We, we, we know in, in two of our theatres we will put our hearing loops in because we know that's what we want to do because we want to have as much accessibility as possible. And I think that's the thing is that, that we, looking at other disabilities in our schools, we need to adapt rooms, we need to adapt ramps for them. That's fine. But actually, you know, adapting stuff for dyslexics is so small. It's like literally we could have reading rulers, we could have triangle pencils, we could have, have an actual box of stuff, we could have a reading pen, we could have software on our computers understanding coming back to that understanding part understand the differences understand the difficulties understand the strengths use that as the harness to move forward i think we i might get you back just to a podcast on sort of how the technology can just help because i've got so many ideas going in my head even just going back to report writing how that can be done really easily oh, yeah. without any money um but i suppose one of the other things is um how schools can support the wider implications of dyslexia like the uh, social and the emotional i suppose a lot of it is just making sure you're aware that this dyslexia may have this effect on a person. I think that's very true. I think that looking at it and thinking about it is, I had, I had coloured glasses. Let's take this as a concept. So I had prescription tinted lenses. So they, these are there's conditions like visual stress. We could call it Erlins. We could call it Mears Erlin. There's lots of ways we could call it. But I, I use the word visual stress. So you've got in front of you a white piece of paper with some text on it. That I'm looking at it and I can see rivers and circles. So basically the text is moving. Even if it's upside down, I can see it now. So that's why I don't look at it. So the thing that I'm looking at is, is your desk because I can see the lines going down. So that's, that's the thing. That, that, that's what I'm concentrating on. When I wore these glasses, that removed 
by about 70%. So actually it meant that actually when I looked at stuff there, now I had to carry around a little card in my wallet that said, these are prescription, they're not sunglasses. And I walked around school to go and fetch someone out of a classroom with them on, forgetting to take them off and got told to take them off. And I went, no, they're prescription. And, and that point there is actually that if we made that change and made everyone aware of it, that will then change it. And I think that's the biggest thing is that we still have teachers today that go, oh, that's dyslexic. That's the SEN department's problem. And it's not. It's everyone's problem. Let's help everyone. Let's have that understanding and, and do the training. And, and that probably goes back to that, that, that. The other question you said, what else could schools do? Look out there what is free. What's free training out there? Microsoft do free dyslexia awareness training on their website. It's there, available. It's free. Just sign up to it and it's free. It is. It may not be as good as, as other training. It may not. It may be better than other training. But for, for me, it's kind of like, it's, at least it's there and at least we can do it. And if that's all we can do, that's fine. That's something. It is. Don't have a closed mindset. I think that I'm fascinated with, I'm listening to Carol Dweck, Dr. Carol Dweck about the growth mindset. And having a closed mindset and an open mindset and having having that growth mindset. And, I, and I'm trying to work out which one I am. And But actually just thinking about stuff. And, and we mentioned about Robert Eisner's book in the last one, how he, chat, how he became CEO of Disney and how he changed his persona. And how actually he's actually passionate about so many things. And I think, you know, actually when, we, when you work for yourself, you have to think about how you do that. And, and for me, it was like I said at the end of the last podcast, it's all about now that I am... I am a severe dyslexic adult. I do find things difficult, but actually, you know what? I want to change people's lives. I want to help people to grow. I want, I want schools to, to help every dyslexic. I want, I want our workplaces to be inclusive. And I think that actually we can get there. I think it's brilliant that we have things like, we have access to work. We have disability student allowance. We have EHCP plans. We have that process there. It's kind of like, the, I think for me, the biggest thing was it falls from zero to 25, which was really good. And I think it's just, we just we just keep moving forward. It is, and awareness is probably the biggest thing. Let's keep people aware. I always used to say we have, let's say we had 10% of the population dyslexic. That means 20% of the population understand it properly. That the seven, 60 to 70% don't really understand it. And then you get then people that are really hyped up on on the way that they can PR themselves by saying dyslexia doesn't exist, or we have local authorities that don't want to support it just because it costs money. Money is always going to be an issue, and that's the thing. I think we look back to last year about about two local authorities that basically had a policy they brought out in September that said dyslexia doesn't exist. One of them said draft, one of them didn't. That 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 local authority uh, it got asked in the House of Lords, and that that policy got a broken link on their website, and then it was the whole local authority decided to change it and decided to say that they were going to review all their policies. Because actually, you know what? I, I know that local authority has to now pay for two students to go to an independent school. They just didn't support them. And that's the benefit of the EHCP system. But actually, if they were putting that money into mainstream, would that work? Yes, it would. Is that school the right place for them children? Yes, it is, because that's, it, it's beneficial for them. And that's the thing you see. It is. It's what is right for the child. If it's an independent sector, if it is a state sector, if it is, if it's a specialist teacher, if it's an after-school tutor, and actually, just going, I'm just going to mention tutoring. I think that's the thing. Um, I, I've known a lot of parents to be quite. Well, I'm going to use the word pushy parents, which is probably not the best thing to say, but there is people out there that are like that. If you're dyslexic and you've been at school, because right, I'm dyslexic, my 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 wife's brother is dyslexic. My daughter is probably is going to have some tendencies, and, and I can see it in her. Uh, already, I can see certain things. Her certain persona is there. Now, when she gets home from school, all she wants to do is watch the iPad. 
because actually what that does for her is it actually allows her to just rest her brain. And we say that probably this is not the best thing to do for a young person, but actually, you know what, and sometimes it is. Because actually, you know what, if I then went to get her to go and do some more reading or some more writing, it's just massively overload. Because actually, you know what, your body is under so much stress at school anyway, especially if you have a learning difference. Coming home to that is even harder. So then going out to a tutor is hard. I always remember actually that I did not enjoy Mondays when I was at school, not because it was a hard day at school. It was because I had to go to swimming lessons afterwards. Now, I have dyspraxia, which is coordination. I cannot do breaststroke at all. The one that has, yeah, it looks like a frog. Yeah. Yeah. Cannot do that. I can do backstroke perfectly and front crawl, but breaststroke cannot do it. Cannot coordinate my hands and my legs. But I can do this. I can tuck my, I'm tucking my head and roll and doing that. I can do that bit, but I can't. I can't. It do takes that. me a while to get into the habit of that, tapping your head and rubbing your tummy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can do it. It is. But that's the thing. I think that's the thing that we have to think about is we did, we did talk about that on uh, the autism uh, podcast we did with Sarah Jane Critchley about that coming home and that time just to rest and sort of sometimes you even always have to talk to someone and release. Yeah. And I think, I think we also have to do that in work as well. I think that's the thing. I, I do a lot of talks and I do some talks with the British Dyslexia Association with some of my hats on. And, uh, and one of the things that, 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 that they say is positive procrastination. And actually, positive procrastination can be really powerful. I think it's, I, I find it very hard to start something, which a lot of dyslexics do. But then when I know has to, something has to be done, then I, then, I, then I get it done. But having certain time to actually have that positive procrastination is really powerful. So a lot of time for me is when I'm in the car. In the car, I'm either listening to an audio book or I'm just kind of like thinking. And it may be thinking, it may be even just t- telling myself an actual story and talking to myself about a fantasy. But actually, you know what? It takes you out of the real world for like for that 20 minutes, half an hour. Uh, and then basically then you can be calm and relaxed and get back into it. I really relate to that. I did that. And my journey to work was about an hour and a bit each way. I did. I made up stories in my head and just went on. Or just even thought about where will I be in five years? Just all of that stuff. And then also talking about that day ahead. Or Yeah. But it also gave me that nice break home to school. And then my journey shifted and I was five minutes from work to home. And that was really hard. I didn't have that time. And I felt I didn't have that disconnect. I didn't have that time to think. Yeah. In, um, in Robert Eisner's book, when he was a showrunner, he got up at six at four o'clock in the morning. And basically now he's in his, I think, he, I think he's in his early 70s or near enough. He still gets up at that time. But he has them two hours. This is self. And he may go for a run. He may go to the gym. He may he may just sit there and think. He may read a book. That it's time for himself before he opens his laptop, reads his emails, starts on his phone. And that's the thing. It's it's kind of like um, kind of like interesting. You see, I, I'm kind of addicted to my phone a little bit, so I have to look at my phone as soon as I wake up. But actually, you know what? Once I've done it, I actually uh, my 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 wife used to say to me when I, when I when I can actually when I'm not on the road going somewhere and I'm working from home. I have in the past not got, got, got up until about nine o'clock, got into the office about half nine. And she says, why are you not working? And I went, I have done some work. Because actually, you know what I've done? I've answered five emails on my phone. I've answered two tweets on my phone. I've tweeted stuff that needs to be tweeted or I've, or I've, or I've responded to something. Actually, I've done that piece of work. So I actually have done a piece of work, which isn't part of my work day, but actually I have achieved something. And, I, and people forget that. I, I do think it's important when people talk about being addicted to phone. There's your personal social media. Candy Crush, all that stuff. We just waste time. And then it's your work. 
And I'm someone, I think probably the same reason as you, especially with running the dyslexia show, that you want to look at your phone just to make sure everything's okay. See, yeah. I, I wake up and within the first five minutes I'm, I'm getting up, before I get out of bed, I open my phone, I look at my email, scan through a couple of the email boxes, do something else, and then I put my phone down and I probably don't look at it again for another hour because I know everything's okay. I think, I think that's the thing. So you need to know that everything's okay. It is. It's like, a, a, like probably for you, it's probably at like at 11 o'clock at night, if you get a text message because, okay, is this text message someone texting me or is it one of my servers sending me a message because of an error? Yes. That, that's the question. Is and, and I can see that. I can see that. It is. Um, I, I find it, I do find, I do find, phones I think are an amazing thing. I think, I, I was just thinking that I held my phone there because I was going to mention that, that actually that I, I find my phone very accessible because I can use my phone to read out loud. I can read my emails. I can have my phone, emails read to me. I can dictate into it. I can search on the internet and stuff. But, I go to lots of places where where phones are banned, and I, I understand why they're banned, and I understand why we have this concept in education. But I really think that people should embrace it to a point where where we should actually use it. And and I and I I've kind of stopped now commenting on all these places where people say that mobile that phones and computers should be used in schools, and we should go back to the old fashioned way of doing stuff. And I'm saying but it's not the real world. We need to have our children trained for the real world. The real world is that we're we use technology every day. We use technology to, even when we go shopping, we use technology. We either use the scanning machine or the self-scan. It's still technology. We have to make things easy for ourselves and productivity for ourselves. And that's the thing. You, you look at things like, like Star Trek, really good example, when, we, when they talk to the computer. We talk to our devices now and they do stuff. And actually, are we doing it for... A pot, are we doing that for a, uh, a pleasure thing or are we doing that for a productivity thing? Actually, some of the time we're doing it for productivity. And it's and that's the whole point of it is that actually that lots of this technology is probably was originally for accessibility. Now now it's coming mainstream, and that actually really helps our people with disability differences and, and people with dyslexia because actually, if it is mainstream, non-stigmatizing, it's a game changer. I really did like Amazon's Alexa advert just around Christmas. Uh, there's a lady. Uh, waking up asking what time it was and what weather it is. And she's looking out the window asking, what's the weather today? I don't know if you saw this advert. I think I did, yeah. And then you're sitting there going, come on, she can see straight out the window. Then about a second later, she then walks towards the door and picks up her stick. Yeah. She's blind. Yeah. And it's just, again, goes back to what you assume so many things and stuff like Alexa and so many other things just, it's all about removing barriers. And one of the things go back to is there are schools who ban mobile devices and various other things. Um, and it always comes down to that phrase of reasonable adjustments. Yeah, reasonable so adjustment. you can have a ban on technology in a school and mobile phones, but for this child, reasonable adjustment is they have that phone. So my nephew, dysgraphia, uh, spelling tests, copy down these words off the board and then learn them. He always wrote them down wrong, so therefore he learned them wrong. Now, if he could just take a picture, it's just, it's just... Yeah, take a photo. Taking a photo. Actually, you know, I, I, I say to people, whenever they listen to me talk, I say, just take a photo. Take pictures of my slides. My slides are my slides are my slides. They're, they're, they're public information. I'm talking to lots of people about them. I don't mind you taking pictures of them. Because the reason being is then you can go through it when you're looking at your photos with your with your children or with your friend. Oh, I remember that picture. Oh, I remember that. It's a really good memory. It's, I, I had a story and I've just forgotten it now. Typical dyslexic. You kind of like <laughs> maybe think about something. It's gone, but it will come back to me at some point. But I think now I think we just need to keep have an open mind. Oh, that was it. So I remember my. I kind of like got a really annoyed. I was at a, I was at a conference in a school, 
And this school to me was like an amazing school. It was a school up north and it was a um, one of these engineering schools. So it's a school that has a very big engineering kind of comment STEM thing, has a big mass in the middle of the school. It's literally this massive workshop which has kind of laser cutters. It has everything from mechanics to woodwork to everything. It basically means that the idea is that they're creating engineers of the future. It's funded by big engineering companies. And I used the app on my phone, which is called Seeing AI, to take a picture of it, of the, of the wall panel. Now, I hadn't read the wall panel. And the first thing it said was, is that all mobile, phone, mobile phones are banned, if seen, will be locked away. All teachers mark in red pen. All students must write in black pen. All students must use it. And I was just like, by the time we got to that point, I was like, this is not a dyslexia-friendly school. Red pen should never be used. Red pen is a, don't use red pen. I, when I was at the BDA, I, I literally, I wrote an email. Uh, there was a kind of like, I was having a communication with about five or six of us, and the CEO wrote a response back, which was quite, it was negative because we hadn't done something right, in red. All I wrote back is, please don't write in red. Because actually, you know what? The red pen gave me more of a negativity than the actual content. The content wasn't negative. The content was more, was more constructive. But actually, the red pen just reminded me of all my crosses. Yeah. Let's mark in green. It, it, that's the thing it is. And, and to me, it is, it's like, <laughs> I went, we have a comedy festival in Leicester and there was a comedian, a, a group of comedians, they created the thing, like, 10 reasons why I left teaching. And, uh, and one of them was all about data. And it was literally, he had 27 pens to mark three bits of work. It was just hilarious what he did. And it's so true. And for me, that's the thing. It's like, let's get it right. Let's understand it. It's another one of them checklist things. Like, how, we, how does this affect, it's again, mental health, social mobility, way that child is let's look at that child let's look at how he does it so i'm going to come back to supporting the sex with technology i think we'll do maybe a podcast or two just on that we can do um but let's say as a parent you believe your child's got dyslexia where else can you get to support okay so you've got you've got lots of different ways you can do it so one you can just search for say a checklist so basically let, let's talk about three things so let's talk about support let's talk about assessment because they are two very big things so if you think your child has some severity of dyslexia, I would definitely be do a lot of research. So, so looking at, at the British Dyslexia Association website, one, because that has what is dyslexia, it has a number of checklists on there for different age ranges. It also has local dyslexia associations. So there's about 52 local groups around the country. Uh, find your local one. They will offer certain services. So they could be that they just have a helpline and they will just point you in the direction to find someone to assess the child or sign someone to teach the child. They may have a local, an after-school workshop like Leicester does. They may have they may have a full service like the um, group in Nottingham does. That is your, that's one starting point. Be a knowledgeable parent. Find things. Go to go to events. Find book. Get read books. Look about it. Try and understand it. So that can really help you. That's the support kind of element you can look at. It is. You need to be looking at that certain things when you're looking at tutoring. You really want the teacher to have uh, to have a, a qualification that's accredited by either Patos or the BDA. So either they have a uh, they are they have a Patos and APC number. So it stands for for assessment practice. Certificate. They have an APC number, or they have an AMBDA. So these are some acronyms you can look for. That means that they have had that qualification. A level five qualification is what would be the teaching level seven is the assessment. So going on to assessment, this is quite this is where it gets kind of really kind of it's just complicated, but this is what you need to think about it. Your starting point is checklist. Checklist is a starting point 
you do that yourself with your child or your child does it or you do it. You just tick boxes. That'll give you a score. There's lots of them out there. They're freely available. Screening is your next kind of concept. Screening is kind of giving you a little bit more of an answer, but it's not definitive. So screening can be done. It can be either done through at the BDA website. There's, there's companies like Nessie have a screening tool. Yando has a screening tool. Uh, there's the, the dyslexia screening test. There's all these screen tools. They're all mainly, normally they're done online. They're normally done on computer. And that will then give you that support. We'll give you that kind of a green, a traffic light system, mild, maybe more likely. Then you have two options. You either have a specialist teacher assessment or an education psychology assessment. There's no real difference apart from the, the psychologists can do a little bit more. They can do more around IQ and they can do specific tests. So, so a, a teacher can do certain tests and a psychologist can do more tests. They're just different ways of standardizing. They're both equal weight when it comes to, say, access arrangements when it says coming to assessment. What it also says then is then at that point is knowing your rights as a parent. Understanding things like, like, like the SEN criteria, which is basically your, your school's SEN policy, which should be published on their website. Who is your SENCO? Who is your SEN governor? Who are, these, who are these key people within your child's development? Read the code of practice. The SEN code of practice is what every school should sit along. Personally, if, if a school does not have a SENCO on a senior leadership team, and this is a personal view, not of anyone else's, if, that is not, if they are not on the senior leadership team, I do not feel the school's read the code of practice properly. So it does recommend. It does say recommend. Uh, to me, that is something that I would say that. That's a giveaway that they're not reading it properly. Be a knowledgeable parent. If you have a meeting with anyone, your class teacher, your senko, your head teacher, there is no, nothing stopping you from having a parent in there. Ha, sorry, having someone in there. So the CEO of the BDA, she mentions that her dad used to go in with her when her children were being, when she was talking about her children. She, you get too emotionally involved. Some of the local dyslexia associations will provide that service for free. They'll have help, for, help uh, befrienders. So that's a very useful service as well. But to me, it is, is, is find, find out what support is in your local area. Find local support groups. Talk to the British Dyslexia so they have a national help that's open at certain times of the day. Do get them. They have a, an email that you can email anytime. There is then also, then there's some other groups out there. So you've got like people like Dyslexia Aware Counselling. Uh, that's based in London. You have uh, online, there is Parenting Dyslexia. That's, that's run by John Hicks. It's just, a, it's just a Facebook group. There's lots of Facebook groups out there as well. Downside to a lot of them, they are global. So you have America and the UK. So some information is not the same. Uh, looking at products, looking at things like Nessie can be used at home, WordShot can be used at home as well. There's versions for both of them uh, that can help. Uh, even TTRS typing is another thing you do at home, English type as well. It can all be done at home. They're, they're the kind of steps you want to look at. But being a knowledgeable parent really helps. I, I remember doing, a, doing a, a panel session in my dyslexia association, having a head teacher, and the head teacher clearly said, we do not like pushy parents. If you're a pushy parent, you're going to get what you want because we want to get rid of you. We don't want you to push me around. So be a pushy parent. And he flatly said that in a, in a talk. And I was like, right, yeah, go on. Okay, that's, that's right. Get right. Get it right. That's good. If you understand what you need, that means you're there. If you're then going to go towards this concept of an education, health and care plan, which you can do as a parent, that is a process that you need to go through. And you need to understand it. There is resources out there you can look at. Currently, uh, the British Dyslexia Association is running loads of parents' days. So these are all around the country. Uh, some of them I'm at uh, with my Microsoft hat on. Uh, John Hicks is there. We've got SEN Legal are there as well, one of, the, one of the legal providers, and they will give you kind of an overview. And, and that's the other thing. 
But then the other thing, let's come back to something that I can talk about, is that we have the dyslexia show. Because uh, if I, I am a dyslexic entrepreneur, so I've got to promote it a little bit. I'm just going to interrupt you before you move on to That's that. That's fine, I think might um, And one of the things I'd say with being that uh, knowledgeable parent is also, as you, if you want to go down towards the HCP route or any, getting any blood out of a stone with an authority, um, keep notes on everything. Oh, yeah. Very true. Keep notes on everything. So if you have a meeting, if yeah. there's an incident, if there's an issue, if uh, just keep notes that when actually you get to that point, you've then got a lot of evidence, a lot of uh, information to back up. Um, and as Aaron said, that emotional side um, is uh, my sister has uh, three boys with autism and my sister is a formidable character. I used to love watching her. She's a very strong person. Um, represents the country, various things. Amazing. When we went into a meeting about her son and the head teacher said something, I thought my sister's going to take her head off. I looked at my sister. She was actually just crying. It's that emotion just takes it away from you, what you were going to do. And so we were there supporting. So, yeah, take someone in is always good advice. Always take someone in there. It's really hard to talk about your own children and actually try and be, be separated. You can't really do that. So... Dyslexia show, tell me more. Dyslexia show. Dyslexia show was a con- is a concept idea that I had. Um, it's a it's the UK's first national exhibition purely dedicated to dyslexia. It, it focuses on the areas of awareness and understanding both for education, parents, and the workplace. There, there are three streams. It takes place on the 20th and 21st of March 2020 at the National Exhibition Centre in Birmingham. It's it's going to be one of these events that is it's brand new. It's kind of it's kind of flipping the mold on it on on on. Uh, on the concepts around exhibitions and conferences and events, it is um, it is an exhibition. It's free to attend. Anyone can attend. Uh, there's there's loads of exhibitors there. Uh, some of them I've mentioned already today. Uh, there's going to be loads of there's some keynotes you can watch for free. And we also have uh, seminars. So these seminars are run by professionals. Uh, they are CPD accredited, so they are they are a small charge. We've tried to make it as cost-effective and as, and as accessible as possible. So if we take a, a parent one day, it's £22. And that allows you to come in. You can watch up to five seminars on the Saturday or six seminars on the Sunday, on the, on the Friday, get it right, dyslexic there. That, that's something called rapid naming. Rapid naming is a real issue. So you know when, you, when I used to have this thing, I always have this thing at home. It says, I've put it in the dishwasher, but I've put it actually in the tumble dryer. And I did that when we never had a dishwasher. My wife would go to me and say to me, we haven't got a dishwasher. We have now, but we didn't have one then. Why have you put it in the dishwasher? We don't have one. Whose dishwasher have you gone to put it in? But, sorry, digress a little bit. Just another thing. DVD. Yeah, dyslexia, <laughs> dyslexia verbal direct. But no, Dyslexia Show is going to be an amazing event. Do come along. It's free to register. Just go to dyslexiashow.co.uk. Excellent. Um, and we'll be putting links to that in our show notes. Uh, we'll be linked to Nessie, WordShark, Microsoft Training. TTRS uh, and, and, and lots of things you mentioned. Yes, so we'll try and make it all uh, in there. And if I forget anything, I'll also be putting Aaron's contact details. You can ask Aaron directly. You can always follow me on Twitter at, at Aaron Dyslexia. And uh, we'll be putting it all uh, Aaron's contact details in the show notes. So uh, you can find the show notes on our website, which is www.thesendcast.com. Uh, so thank you for listening to the show. If you haven't subscribed already, you can, keep go- you can subscribe by going to our website, www.thesendcast.com. Uh, you can also sign up to our newsletter to keep up to date with all the latest news. Uh, alternatively, you can follow us on Twitter at The Sendcast, on Facebook, The Sendcast, on Instagram, The Sendcast, but for some reason on LinkedIn, just Sendcast. 
Um, so I'd like the opportunity to thank Aaron for coming on the show. Thank you very much for having um, me. I've really enjoyed uh, listening to everything and talking about technology and improving things, even just going back to, I think it was this podcast you talked about, not being able to park at a car park. You can't use that ticket machine. Yeah. I think and, this one, or it was the other one. One of them we mentioned about how yeah. a friend of mine does I'm like going, Ringo, what a great app. It prevents that. Oh, oh it, that, that, yeah. that's the thing. There is so much out there. And it's actually, you know what? Some stuff is not actually designed for accessibility, but it is so accessible. Yeah. And I just sit there and you're going, oh my God, that's amazing. Um, so yeah, again, I, I, I just find this really interesting. I'm learning. I've got things I can relate to. And I've just found it absolutely amazing. So thank you, Aaron. Thank you for having me. That's amazing. Um, so if you do want to get in touch with us, give us any feedback, uh, any thoughts, suggest topics or anything else, you can always drop us an email to hello at the sendcast.com. Um, and if you have enjoyed the song sendcast and you can't make the dyslexia show, uh, why not come to the virtual send conference? So this is a conference that like the sendcast is run by B squared, but it covers all aspects of SEND. So we basically identified that. Uh, CPD around SEND isn't happening and often it only is uh, the Senko is the only person who receives it and yet every, as Aaron said 15 10-15% people have dyslexia then you've got the whole autism and then various other things it's a huge percentage so therefore every teacher should receive training correct so with the virtual Sencast, um, it's not in London it's not anywhere it's across the internet so it means it comes to you uh, you can access it when we run it in March or November, or you can access it whenever you want. So maybe the Senko might attend on the day, but actually she can then point various teachers to various videos that they'll find useful. They can watch in their own time. So you can buy tickets whenever you want. So if there's a future event coming it's there, but you can always buy tickets to past events. And as we don't have to hire out the whole of the NEC like Aaron does, it makes it a lot cheaper for us. For us, we try to make it as cost-effective as possible. So for us, uh, you get 12 sessions uh, for £60. That's not per person, that's for the entire school. So it's really valuable. And we'll also, hopefully in June, we're going to start running a virtual send conference for parents, uh, upskilling them, empowering them, and giving them much more guidance on how to support their child and how to take on the local authority and so on. And at the last conference, a conference in March last year, we had Neil McKay talking about supporting dyslexia in mainstream. He's back in our March conference, which is a week after dyslexia show. Uh, Neil, Neil McKay's back talking about supporting learners um, towards tests and exams and also more about how to support learners in mainstream. So as a uh, listener to the same cast, we're giving you exclusive 10% discount. Uh, so when you go and buy access to a conference, you just need to use the discount code SENDCAST10. So SENDCAST and one then zero. So thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Sendcast. So that's goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye.